Welcome to Panther Paris, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Paris. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, TJ Peterson and George Richards. And joining us today, a uh, very great guest for you all today, friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, uh, from the Panther Pre podcast, Alex Lopez. Alex, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing good, guys. This is what happens when you go. Are you? Are you, though? No. no, I'm not. I'm drinking because the Panther season is pretty much over. I've had three different t- cases almost go to trial in the last two weeks, and I have a kid due in May. So, no, I am not good, TJ. Shouldn't the kid be a reason that you the kid are is, doing good, Alex? The kid seems like a good thing, though. Yeah, but you know how much work it is to get ready for having a kid? You got to no. get a room ready. You got to clean shit. <laughs> All day Saturday morning when I was not prepping for trial, I was literally putting plywood in my attic so I could put all the stuff that's in baby two's room into the attic. I am exhausted. Uh, anyway, so that was a joke about how Alex hasn't been uh, on on for, for a couple of weeks. <laughs> It's, it's good to see him now, though, isn't it, boys? Yeah, of course. For the record, I almost slipped up. I'm so used to having Alex third that I very nearly said George Lopez. Hey, when, when, when trying to get my joke together. This is the George but, Lopez show. If you remove a few words in the middle of those, yeah, that's, that's not, I see it sometimes early morning on TBS. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we are really doing everything in our power to avoid essentially burying the Panthers' season because uh, it sure feels like that's the right thing to do after that loss in Ottawa uh, here on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, forget about what's going on with the competition, which, you know, if you look at any of the percentages, the projections, they all say, hey, you know, they've got like a one in five chance. That's great. If they play like they did on Monday, they have a zero in one chance. They're they're done because that was pitiful, and the game was over yeah. in the first period. You just knew it. Yeah, they they've been chasing way too many games, right? I mean, we talked about it. I think last week when we said that we were talking about Pittsburgh and their struggles, they'd lost four in a row. Um, they'd lost five out of six, and we said, man, if the Panthers did that. You know, their season is over. Well, guess what? They've just lost four in a row. Um, They're in Toronto on Wednesday night. Uh, Their season is pretty much over, right? You can't scoreboard watch anymore. Doesn't matter what the New York Islanders do. I guess they could still stay in it with Pittsburgh. Uh, They're still three points back. Pittsburgh's playing uh, the Detroit Red Wings tonight uh, as we tape this on Tuesday night. Um, but they have not handled their business. They have not taken care of anything. Um, they, 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 they lose a terrible game in Philadelphia. They have no business losing a game in Philadelphia as a playoff contender. Um, but that's okay if you bounce back and you beat Toronto the, the, the next game out. They did not. They get blown out by Toronto. Then they lose to the Rangers. That's three in a row. Then they go to Ottawa, another team they have no business losing to. Um, they have no business being down 2 nothing after the first period against the Ottawa Senators. Um, yeah, I mean, they can't take care of their own business. And, and, and like I noted, if they just would have forced two of those games to overtime and lost, if they would have gotten two points, 
in any of those, you know, out of those four games. Four po- two points out of eight points, you still would say that's terrible. But mm-hmm. still, they'd be a point back of Pittsburgh, and then you're still in this thing. Three points back could be five points back by the time people hear this. It's just, you know, just a disappointment that this team has gone down the tubes as fast as they have. And I, I kind of want to jump right into it because I think we're all four in, of the same mind that last night's effort was not nearly good enough. And yet Paul Maurice in his post-game quotes had one of the more baffling quotes of the season where he was like, oh, we weren't good enough in Toronto and the Rangers, but we were a good hockey team tonight. I didn't see it. And nothing shows it. You started the game down to nothing. That first goal against was brutal. I did a breakdown on it today on our Twitter feed. Like, it was just so many b- embarrassing breakdowns that should never happen. And then you're down to nothing. You go, you give up three goals on the power play, and you essentially play a team that's out of the playoff race to a XG draw. That's not a good performance. That was not a good hockey team we saw from the Panthers last night. What was Maurice doing? I think he's trying to keep everybody on his side. And, and, and that was, you know, I, I listen, he said that the team played hard. They played their asses off. Uh, the, Matthew Kachuk said they played good for most of that game. I think they're just trying to keep their spirits up at this point because, yeah, that's not the game I saw. Um, sure, yeah, there were no real, you know, they didn't look lazy like they did in the second period against the Rangers. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't any of that. Um, but, okay, you're in a must-win situation and you played hard? Great, I'm happy. That's like the bare minimum. They did the bare minimum last the, the Monday night. They did the bare minimum against the Ottawa Senators. They played hard. God bless America. Yeah, it's it's just – I don't put a whole lot of stock in uh, in the post-game press conference. But, I mean, you can't excuse that with, uh, we played hard, we played well, I liked the kind of hockey we played uh, type, of, type of quote. Even if it's true, which, again, it really wasn't. Even if it's true, you're in Ottawa, three points back of a playoff spot. Ottawa's two, uh, two or four points back on you at the time. Uh, I think they were four back, and now I think they're two back. We played good hockey is not a good answer for losing that game with now eight games remaining and you're three points out of a playoff spot. It's it's just not – like, read the room. I, I'm sorry. Even if it's true that they played the right kind of hockey, that's just not what people are looking for in the situation that the Panthers had themselves in last night. Yeah, but let's not on that. I'm not trying to, to to say anything bad about who was there, but I mean, because I wasn't yeah. there. The only people asking questions was Katie from 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 Valley Sports Florida and Jameson Olive, who works for the team. And Katie, I guess, is an extension works for the team. Um, so he wasn't pre- he wasn't asked about the, the the penalty kill, which gave up three goals. He wasn't asked, I don't think, about the power play, which went over four. Um, he wasn't asked about the breakdowns on the first goal. You know, it, it was just a, a general consent, you know, general. So the, the room to read, he was just like he gave he did the bare minimum in that because that's really all he was asked <laughs> of. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to jazz. I, I'm not there. I can't afford to go to Ottawa to, to cover the Panthers. I just, you know, but but it would probably would have been a little bit of a different, different post game um, had, you know, 
someone been there to, 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 to have him continue on because yeah. yes, you, you let him go through with the opening state and then, and then you, and then you start hitting with the other and And it was just like, okay, good enough. We got, you know, sound bites there. Let's move on. And, and I, I don't even think that they practiced today. So. Yeah. I, I um, think the, the, the only non-affiliated person there was Alex Baumgartner from five reasons. And this is not a shot at him whatsoever, but he's the junior guy. He's a young guy. Like, he probably doesn't have the cachet to, you know, give give Maurice the hard questions at this point. So, you know, he kind of was able to do a softball interview, and it is what it is. It's, it's, it's not just, changing anything ultimately. Right. Like, no, right, right. But again, I think it was still just, you know, it, we haven't seen Paul Maurice really go after this team. Um, no, and 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 for him to to give us the effort thing, the 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 played their asses off thing, which he used twice, not once, but twice. He 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 he, he used that phrase. And he's used that a few times in losses this year. It's fine in January. You lose that game on January fifth. All right, you go to Toronto, and, and yeah, you know, maybe you win that one, whatever. But you, but not with eight games left. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's fine if you outshoot the opponent fifty-five to twenty, and you know you have six xG and they have one point five, and you lose because of some crazy bounce. That's not what happened last night. We're all in agreement that they deserve to lose that game, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So I thought like, they were, th- you know, they were chasing it at three to two. They had obviously had opportunities to tie it at three. Um, at that point, one point's better than none. But you know, and then and then you've got the Anton Lundell penalty, and you just knew the fourth goal was coming. Um, I thought Bob was was fine. I, you know, I, you know, he. It's just. Mind-boggling that you lose these games, that you lose these games knowing the importance of them and, and, and the weight that they are carrying at this point. And it just puts all the more pressure on this team could go 7-1 and one and still not make it because now you need a lot of help. Right. Yeah, you, you essentially need teams who have played at a 550-point-per-game pace all season to play sub-500 hockey for you to even have a shot to get to get in and you still got to go – seven and one it's it's going to take a miracle i don't even think we should be talking about the panthers in the playoff chase yeah no point. i don't either it's yeah it's it's post-mortem time it's what went wrong time it's how did we get here time um there's a lot of things to look at i mean we were tj and i were talking about it on spaces last night i mean you had a lot of good things this season. You know, you've gotten a breakout season from Brandon Montour. You've gotten really good play out of Gustav Forsling. Um, Carter Verhage has been an all-star caliber player. And Matthew Kachuk's been a top five player in the NHL, arguably. Love Sterainen has shown a top six ability. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not I mean, I don't think he's a guy you build around, but him as your sixth best forward is no longer something that's a problem. That's okay. Louis Sterainen's a good player. But – Combined with that, you've had Ekblad regressing massively. Barkov hasn't had the year that you expect Sasha Barkov to have. Bob's been inconsistent. Spencer Knight was inconsistent. Um, Bennett was pretty slow to start the season and picked it up. Reinhardt, inconsistent. And then you've got things like, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but Mark Stahl's been a real issue all season, and he was a real issue last night. And Giovanni Smith, again, like in four and a half minutes, he was the worst player on the ice and made two <laughs> huge mistakes that led to the first goal. Like, 
what? Like, but who do you play? Where who do you play at this point? Because last year, right. at this time of yeah. year, you had twenty five players on your roster because you had yeah. so much cap room. Now, who are you gonna who are you gonna throw in there? Casey Fitzgerald. I, I mean, Lucas Carlson's been one <laughs> of the worth best a players shot. I, in the AHL this year. Yeah, I mean, definition of an insanity stuff going on right now with this bottom six and Mark Stahl still out there. And, like, I know that I'm, you know, twisting in the wind here by saying that, like, Mark Stahl's been replacement level. Anybody, I can't agree with anybody who says that it's been much worse than that. He's been replacement level, which isn't good. But, like, like I said, with definition of insanity stuff, like, you you can't just keep throwing him out there in second pairing minutes. Like, you know, you might say, well, the other options don't look that great. Well, we know what you're doing right now doesn't work. We know we have 73 games of evidence. Unbelievably. I think it's 74 at this point that he's played and that he's been replacement level, which means that you can go out and get somebody who will play just that well on the street easily. So why not? But then you're, but because you're playing politics, this is Mark Stahl. You lose Mark Stahl. You lose Eric Stahl, which uh, a week after what just happened, I don't know that that, I'm just saying, but you know, the package deal. Yeah, but Eric Stahl really... they're the package deal. They they are, but let's be honest. Regardless of what happened last week, Eric Stahl, like, he was really good for a good while. He's been terrible the last couple of weeks. Even going back before the whole issue of last week, like, his play has fallen off a cliff, which is not that surprising for... I mean, he's, what, 41? Do I have that right? Or I think he's 38. He's 38. 38. Okay, Mark, either way. Uh, Eric is 38, Mark is 35. Either way, a 38-year-old having to play every night with as many back-to-backs as the Panthers have had this year, like, why is anyone surprised he's breaking down at the end of the year? This was a guy (laughs) who was supposed to be in the Joe Thornton role. I'm surprised he played well at any point to begin with because – I'm not. What was it, like 30 games? He he went almost 30 games without scoring a point. No, he he also 13 games at the beginning of the year. He didn't score, but then he got in – he started playing bigger minutes – um, listen, um, the bottom six, the bottom, it, it's just this, this, this roster, they knew what they were getting into when they traded, uh, when they traded Huberdo and, 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 and Uyghur for Kachuk. Um, I, I think, again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think if they make the Kachuk trade two weeks before free agency, we never see the Stahl brothers in South Florida, um, we may not see, we probably see Colin White because I think they thought that he was a reclamation project. And at times he's shown it a little bit, other times, no. But um, they were just kind of going by the, I mean, going flying by the sea of their pants on, on this roster. Yeah. And, it, and it's showing it now. It's, it's, it's paper thin. It just really is. I mean, the bottom six is like what? Um, like you said, the defensemen. Um, there's no depth there. You can't play Fitzgerald, I guess, because if they, if you could, they would, right? If they could have played Fitzgerald, they would have played Fitzgerald. When they do play him, they play him on the fourth line. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the number one thing that we got to talk about when it comes to this season not going well, other than coaching, which like I just want to not talk about that just because it is very difficult to look at it objectively and say this was done by the coach, which clearly had this adverse effect because we don't really know. But what we it's do really, really know, that. we do really know is that the first pairing has really struggled this year on defense. 
And going into the season, the expectation was, yeah, the defensive depth's not going to be great. But we have a Norris caliber number one defenseman that's going to carry our first pairing, which is subsequently going to carry the entire defense. And on the other hand, the second pairing and the third pairing have actually been all right. You know, despite the fact that we've said Mark Stahl's had a lot of problems this year. Brandon Montour's carried him. Josh Mahura has been a really good find off the waiver wire. And him and Gudis have been a pretty dominant third pairing, you know, third pairing, yep. uh, low expectations, but they've ultimately lived up to them. The problem is you didn't get that Norris caliber play from Aaron Ekblad this year. In fact, you got much worse than that. And when you're relying upon him to carry this bad defense, you know, it, it, you're going to have a bad time if he's not a superstar and he wasn't even a star. He was, you know, a, a number four, number five defenseman this year. And I mean, we could talk about Brooks Kepka's thoughts on Aaron Ekblad, but, <laughs> you know, ultimately it's not super far from the truth that frankly, like maybe not the majority, but like the number one reason to me is that he did not live up to the player that he was in the last few seasons that made the Panthers so successful. I think you're right. And I think when you're talking about the coaching and all that, you can say what you want about Paul Maurice. I know a lot of people have uh, very, very strong opinions on, on Paul Maurice. Um, but let's look at this roster next year, and let's see how many of these guys that are playing decent minutes for the Florida Panthers right now and have been playing throughout the season, how many of these guys are not even going to be in the NHL next year? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean you, can, you, you can make some arguments for a couple players on this team yeah. right now, not even being – not even getting an offer – um, or, you know, if they do get an offer, they're getting two-way contracts and and maybe not starting the season with, with you know, in the NHL next year. What do you yeah, have I mean? I, right, right I, or wrong? And that was not I, the case last year at all. No, not at all. Yeah, I, I mean, if there's – look, the Panthers have done really well with reclamation projects. You know, Carter Hagee. Uh, Carter Hagee's your poster child for right. the Panthers' reclamation projects. And Josh Mahura this year. They've done really well with them. So, and we look, we were, we thought Colin White was a solid, you know, low risk signing. We, yeah, Rudolph Balser, he was. And, you know, Nick Cousins, the problem is you got nothing out of all of them. And then your veteran signings, you got nothing out of as well. Like the, what, what Tampa's been able to do, other than the fact that they keep finding talent, generating talent from mid round draft picks, is, you know, they're bringing in a Corey Perry on a one year, $1 million deal or Pat Maroon and getting valuable time out of their older veterans. And the Panthers did not get that this year. They got it a little bit from Eric Stahl for a couple of, for a little while, but. Eric Stahl's outplayed his contract. Yes. Oh, for sure. For For sure. sure. And, and, and Mark Stahl has as well. At $750,000, he's given you just looking at the minutes. That's all I'm talking about. He's only getting $750,000. He is getting the bare bones minimum and you're getting what you're paying for in a lot of cases. Whereas the year that, you know, Carter Verhage is making $1 million. He's scoring 20, you know, 18, 20, 23, whatever goals he was scoring. You were getting that kind of production. Um, I don't know that Colin White comes back next year. He's, you know, he, one of the reasons no, I, I thought he was a reclamation project was use RFA and he doesn't make a lot of money, but next year they've got money to spend. I don't know that they bring him back. I don't know. You're absolutely right, George. The Panthers got what they paid for in Mark Saul, but what they're getting is a minimum salary player that they're paying. They're playing on their second pairing and giving a lot of PK time to like 
you, you needed someone to outplay their contract on that second pairing, and they did not get that. Well, they, they, were, they were really good PKers not too long ago, though. And, that, and that's But their problem is they've stuck with them too long. Now they look tired. What a shock, you know, guys in their late 30s playing in this league. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I'm just saying, I mean, yeah, I, it, 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 I mean, when, you, when you break down this roster, it is a lot of question marks. And if you're just a casual fan of an NHL team and, you, and you're looking at the Panther roster, you're going, who are these guys in a lot of cases? And, and I think last year you did not have that. And let's yeah. not forget, I, you know, you would have had you would have had Hornquist playing fourth line minutes this year, um, and, and you know, yeah, but you needed there. you needed that cap space to to reactivate Duclair because of other decisions oh, I know that, that were made. Right? Yeah, right. I, no, right. I know that. I'm and not talking George... about concussions when it comes to Hornquist. Right. I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about salary cap. He's out there. He's not out there because of salary. Right. Um, but yeah, to to your point, George, I count probably five players on this roster right now that I. That definitely won't be back with the Panthers, most certainly. Or rather, I'd be surprised uh, to see all five of these players get NHL-level deals. Uh, and that's Giovanni Smith, Eric Stahl, Mark Stahl, Alex Lyon, and Patrick Hornquist. Hornquist is probably the most likely for someone to just grab him on a one-year vet minimum deal. And the Panthers uh, will be that team. Yeah, most likely. I wouldn't mind that. Did you say Colin White, Jacob? I did, did not. not. Colin, someone's going to sign Colin White. I don't know. The I, Coyotes will sign Colin White to a yeah, one-year deal and yeah. play him. Okay. Play him. I can right. totally yeah. see that. I could totally someone, see that. Someone's going to try again on Colin White. But the Stahl brothers, Giovanni Smith and Alex Lyon, and granted the situation that brought Alex Lyon into the NHL is unfortunate to say the least. We still, um, with Spencer Knight still with the player assistance program, um, he was, I mean, he was never meant to be a long-term NHL backup for the Panthers. Uh, but that's a guy who's not getting any better than a two-way deal. So, yeah, to your point, George, there are a bunch of guys just filling out this roster and playing minutes more significant than what you would expect uh, from a playoff team. And the Panthers just don't really have much other choice, and that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, you look at their salary cap situation, they can only carry one extra player, and that's what you've got. And whether that player should be Casey Fitzgerald, um, yeah, who I, you know, I, I now decided I'm writing about for, for Wednesday because I, he is a good story and it, it is a good story. Casey Fitzgerald is a, is a great story. And going into Toronto, the last time Florida won was the Mark Pizzic uh, hat trick game there back in 2020. Um, you know, so he's got, he's got a little bit of that Prius in him. Um, but that's that's your depth, the, the depth you can't use or w- refuse to use. I, I mean, right. I, again, we've talked about this in the past. Had they made the Kachuk trade before free agency, I think they would have tried to find a better knowing how much that Mark Mark Stahl was going to have to play. Mark Stahl, when he signed on July 1, the Panthers, I'm, I'm telling you, did not expect him to be playing these kinds of minutes. The Panthers were going to carry seven defensemen just like always, and then they couldn't. And, uh, you know, I would think Mark Stahl probably would have gotten five, six, seven, eight games off. You know, maybe not that, whatever. But he would have had time where he was not not playing and getting some rest. And he's played every game. Right. I just don't know if I agree with that. Like, I think that, you know, if if you want to get into criticisms that that 
nothing is objective in this sense, but like 95% of like-minded people that, that are like-minded with us would say Paul Maurice is choosing to play Mark Stahl in his usage. He's cho- choosing to play him every night. You know, there was a reason that he was signed. There's a reason that he was on the opening night roster instead of a guy who had way better NHL results last year who you had under contract in Lucas Carlson. And it's because of Paul Maurice's, I don't want to say superficial, but I don't exactly know what he's going for, why these preferences exist, but they're there. And like, you know, we've given, maybe not we, I've given him the benefit of the doubt a lot of the year because I've seen good performances that haven't been, you know, the the scores have not matched the performances based on the analytics and my own personal eye test. But look, the benefit of the doubt gets lost when everybody agrees he's not playing well enough to play the role that Paul Maurice is playing him in, to play every night like Paul Maurice has done with him all year. And there's oh, only one person what? to blame for that. There's only one because, like you said, they're carrying seven defensemen right now. A lot of the season they couldn't do that. But right now, they're carrying seventh defenseman. So if they wanted to take Mark Stahl out of the lineup, they could. They're not doing it because they're not going to do it. Period. If they if they had Lucas Carlson up here, I think they would have. I, I, I just – listen, it, Casey Fitzgerald sat for a month. Sat for a month. There were, there were times where he could have played, and the Panthers right. did not play him. Why? Why? He must. I mean, they they must. They see they see him every single day that we don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This no, is what I'm what saying I mean? though. Like, I I don't want it to seem like I'm coming after you, George, because that's exactly no, what I'm not. talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking but th- but about. But that is your option. That is your only defensive option. Is, is is a guy that they refuse to play, and I don't know why. I don't know because you know they're not going to say they just oh he's a great kid yeah he's he's terrific he's friends he's cousins with uh, Matt Kachuk he's best friends with Colin White from their Boston College days da 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 um, and and I and I think he's I think he's a great he was told to go out and get an apartment months a month ago or, or two months ago and that never happens um, yeah, especially, especially for a guy that's playing. not. For especially for a guy that's not playing, so I, I think they just have been resolved to be like, This is what we've got, we can't do anything about it, we're rolling with it. Lucas Carlson is thriving in Charlotte for the first time in his pro career. Lucas Carlson is thriving. I think they just want to leave him there. Um, would I have gotten rid of Casey Fitzpatrick Fitzgerald and, and brought in Lucas Carlson? You're darn right, I would. They make the same money, what's the difference? But One's got NHL success on his resume, and the other is Casey Fitzgerald. I agree. I mean, I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, there's got to be a reason here, and that they won't say. Um, that's something that we'll find out after the season. Um, and and I'm leaning towards the development of Lucas Carlson. Yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm. That's the way I'm leaning. That he's just been so good for them down there. They don't want to mess him up, and they don't want to bring him up, knowing, like you just said, that they're going to play a lot of Mark Stahl. And, and that means the, the, the seventh guy is going to sit a lot. Um, well, they just don't want to mess him up. Go ahead. But that, but that's kind of the thing we've all been dancing around this whole last 15 minutes is why would you be bringing up Lucas Carlson to be your seventh defenseman? Why are you not giving him an opportunity over Mark Stahl? Who's just been a league minimum guy. It doesn't make sense. 
I mean, there's I a laundry list of things that you could do over what you're doing right now. You could switch Mahura and Stahl's roles. You could try Mahura in a top four role. There's no guarantee that it would work, but hasn't his third pairing play warranted an opportunity in that kind of situation? We've talked about uh, I mean, yeah. On one hand, yes, but him and Gudis have just been so good together. Okay, but I mean yeah. if you're if you're gonna say that Because you probably not- can't put Stahl and you can't put Stahl and Gudis together, right? Can you? You can't. No. No. You can't. That pairing would get walked every shift. That not if they're not, playing fourth that lines. That is not a particularly mobile pairing. Not if they're playing fourth lines. You, you can't always does, do that, even if you're bottom pairing. Just Yeah. I does mean, the I NHL mean, not publicize ice time for players? I, I, I don't know, guys. Like, we're saying, oh, God, like, the idea of Mark Stahl and, and Gudis out there at the same time. Meanwhile, Mark Stahl's playing against top sixes. Like, is that better? No. You're not wrong. It... it like the, the, I mean, we're just doing it to show what a mess this is. I mean, it's just a right. mess. Right. The roster, the, the roster this year, because of the salary cap, because of the injuries, is a mess. And they yeah. knew that. They knew that on July fifteenth or whatever, the day after they traded for Matt Kachuk, they were like, "Well, all right, maybe somebody yeah. gets hurt." And I think a lot of us were willing to kind of not like wait off this season. I don't think any of us expected this, but we we were all pretty well aware that this team was going to take a step back. But so we kind of wrote still, this off but a, as, step, a step back is wild card. Right. Right. That, that's what I'm getting at. Like we, we step, expected this team to take a step back um, and kind of wrote off the, the roster, some of the, some of the holes in the roster and the lack of cap space by thinking, well, we got Matthew Kachuk. That was a trade that's going to pay dividends over the next seven years. Four years, yes. Right. Uh, years. So we'll we'll take a little bit of a step back this year, maybe third in the Atlantic or, or a wild card spot, and deal with the problems next summer. I don't think it was a very widespread expectation that this was going to be the result. And this, you know what's going to end up? You guys were calling the five-two final last night on Twitter. I saw that. I'm going to. That call was it the crazy. The Panthers end up with like a point out of the playoffs. They're going to end up a point out. Yep. And they're going to be like, well, you know, if we had X, Y, and Z, and you know, and we're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, they would have, you know, but because we always end up forgetting about days like yesterday. Um, you know, you look at the team a couple years ago that that just missed the playoffs and. You know, the enthusiasm for that team going forward. Obviously, the, the, the Panthers hadn't done anything in a while. There was a different different thought process. Um, this year is just a disappointment, just like, you know, 2019-20 was when they made all those free agencies, all free agent signings, and then COVID came. The Panthers were three points out of the playoffs. I, I think they probably would have made the playoffs that year had the season gone on. Um, I, but we don't know. We'll never know that. That team was a disappointment. That team from the all-star break till, till the, till they yeah. beat Montreal on Roberto Luongo night was absolutely God awful. And, um, we're seeing it again here. So who's to blame? I don't know. Did you, did you blame Joel Quinville when this team hit the skids? I mean, in 2020, no. uh, everybody just blamed Dale for that. And they, you know, everybody just blamed Dale. It was Dale's fault that the team, you know, came out of the all. You know, went into they the all break. 
Well, I'm just saying, but they went into the all-star break with a three-point lead in the playoffs, and then they went out, you know. Yeah, I, they, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. Nobody blamed Joel Quinville, but but here we are with none of the players are blaming Paul Maurice. Um, does it look like they've quit on him? No, I don't think they've quit on him. Um, yeah, but I'm keeping so. an eye on that. I'm keeping an eye <laughs> on that. You know, I yeah, mean, this, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of just like locker room dysfunction like we're seeing with Calgary. Now, now I like am trying to get this fleshed out, like because there's a lot of vitriol on Twitter for Paul Maurice. I'm trying to get somebody who who thinks that they have like a very like intricate explanation as to like, okay, so he did this, like, this is the system that we're playing. We're asking this player to do this. We're asking this player to do this, or, you know, we're playing in this particular way. We're counting on this to happen. Meanwhile, in the modern NHL, that doesn't actually happen, you know, whatever. And somebody said, well, you know, if Paul Maurice is going to go out there and give quotes, like, Oh, we played amazing last night. We played it like a good hockey team. Then players aren't going to feel motivated to improve. So that's one thing that I have, have heard. I honestly lost my train of thought. Maybe I should just not. Yeah, but what he said, what he's saying in public to to to, to Bally Sportsnet and is is not what he's saying in the room, and yeah. he's not, that's not what he's saying in meetings. Um, there, there, I'm sure that there's a different public face that that the professor Paul Maurice gives publicly than give in the room. Uh, tell me if I'm I, wrong I, here. George, the players do not give a damn what Paul Maurice says in, in the press conference unless he is calling out a player. Absolutely correct, sir. They they don't even they don't even know what he says. None of these guys read the video. Well, they watch the videos. None of them are there watching Valley Sports Florida in the locker room. None of them are reading my stories. None of them have a, a clue what Paul Maurice is saying in those post-game press conferences. Not a clue. And don't care. They don't care. I am relatively certain that there is a small handful of players who have heard this podcast, though. <laughs> no, no, no. There, no, no. I, I, can, I can give you a list of players that are reading the stories. They they, they do. They, no, there are a few that do read. Um, and, and they want to see stuff. And they want to, you know. And they'll they'll call you out on stuff. They'll bring you aside and say, "Hey, why'd you write? You know, why did you know?" They say they see your Twitter. They see that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Oh, I, that I know for sure. But it's nothing. It's nothing. You know, it's nothing like mean or it's just like, "Hey, why why would you say that? Why would you say that our defense is thin?" I'm like, "Because it is." I mean, seriously, yeah, come on. I mean, your, your your defense is thin, and we knew it from day one. And you didn't want to admit it because you were stuck with it, right? You were stuck with it. So there's nothing you can do but defend it, and then you throw some metrics at me, and I'm like, well, okay, well, I, I watch every game, so I guess I just don't know what I'm talking about then, but the defense looks pretty thin, and I think it'll be much different looking next year, although will it? Because who goes? Who goes from this defense? Of the six defensemen that are here, let's add, let's make it seven and eight. Let's add Lucas Carlson and Matt Kierstead to the mix. Let's add to those. Who, who of those eight come back next year? The odds of Carlson and Kirstead being back are pretty high. They're restricted free agents. I don't think either of them have done anything that would not get them. Kirstead is signed. Oh, Kirstead yeah. is signed. Okay, Kirstead has a one year, well, one way next year. He has yes. a one year. He has yeah. one year, one way. Yeah, I mean, I, well, they they both would have to pass through waivers, I believe. So that's the only reason they wouldn't be here if they don't make the twenty three man roster next year. They've got to go through waivers again. After the season Carlson's just had in the AHL, there's no way he gets through waivers again. 
So he is either on the team yeah. or he is going to be somewhere else. Kirstead, you'll probably be able to sneak through just because he doesn't have enough of an NHL um, credentials pedigree. behind it. Pedigree, there's the word. And the one-way contract. Yeah. So the only the only thing, the only two people that are really maybes, well, I don't think anyone expects Mark Stahl back. It just didn't work. And then it's Radko Gudis. He's big in the room, but at the same time, if he was coming back, you'd think they would have announced an extension already unless both sides know they want to get it done. And it's just like, hey, let's focus on the season, focus on the playoff push, and we'll finalize the details after the season. But like you said, George, the reality is, is at worst, it's four, four of the same six guys are going to be back. At at best, it's five of the six back, and then you're just replacing Mark Stahl and adding a seventh defenseman. Now, Aaron Ekblad, I know a lot of people are talking that you need to trade him. You need to trade him. You need to trade him. But you don't Jeez. trade him on the on the on the you don't trade him on the cheap, right? <laughs> he's hurt, right? I can tell you right now, he's got the shoulder. He's had the groin. He's had a foot injury. I don't know what's going on with him now. But Aaron Eckblad's been fighting suit and stuff and, and playing 22 minutes a night, whatever this meant. I don't have that in front of me. Whatever, you know, you're not going to get what you need for Aaron Eckblad, even if he would wave, because he's not going to wave. Um, I mean, he's he's living here with his with his new wife, who's a doctor. She's, you know, he's not picking up and moving and going to, to, to Calgary. He is not accepting that deal. And that's why you make the deal with, with Huberto. You make it when they can't, when they can't say no to it. Um, I, listen, Aaron Ekblad with a with a strong offseason. I, I think he's gonna come back harder than ever. Um these are minor injuries as opposed to what he had in the past. Um he obviously played through some stuff last year in the playoffs. Um I, I think we're gonna see a much we're gonna see old school Aaron Ekblad back next year. Uh Forsling, you know, Forsling maybe is a guy that, that maybe would, would would get you something in a trade. Um, for obvious, re- you know, he's got one year left. You, you have to start looking ahead with with Forsling. What's he going to cost us moving forward? Um, I don't know. I mean, you've got Mahura at a one, you know, coming back next year on a really cheap deal. He's coming yeah. back. So, but you're also going to have depth. You're also going to have the depth to to, to make be able to make some moves next year that you did not have this year. And uh, I, I hate to keep bringing up Casey Fitzgerald because again, I think he's a great guy too. <laughs> But there, but there's a reason why they're not playing him. And mm-hmm. I was saying it, I was saying it last, you know, month when he first got here, when he had not appeared in a game yet. Panthers are playing back to back, and you just had Eric uh, Mark Stahl play 22 minutes. This is a perfect time to get. Kate. Well, why didn't you? Don't want to play okay. anyone on their offhand. The, 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 blah blah blah. Right, come on, give me a break. They had no problem doing that with Mackenzie Weger for years. I mean, you know, they did. They do it with Gustav Forsling, I mean, at times. So, whatever. Montour's I just found had, that. Montour's played both sides in his career. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, Montour last year was moving back all around, right? I mean, he was playing on both sides. So, he was playing you know, with that, Yeah. So, I think that that was just kind of a, eh. Anyway. That's yeah, just... I mean, when when it comes to trading Ekblad, like I understand that even if you talk about the injuries that he's had, well, you know, there's just been so many injuries to him now that like, do you really ever think that you're going to get that platonic ideal of Aaron Ekblad that can be a Norris finalist, a Norris contender? I'm not necessarily saying that I think that that is gone, but look, I, I really can't authoritatively say, no, like he's going to be good. 
But at the same time, like, what are you getting? You know, if you trade, like George said, you know, Aaron Eckblad at this low point of his value, like, are you going to be able to get that number one defenseman some other way that's going to potentially lead you to a cup? Because you can't win a cup without one of them. And most teams have two of them, really, guys that could be a number one defenseman. I mean, you look at Colorado, they have Kale McCarr, they have Taze. They have uh, Bowen Byram, who's maybe not a number one right now, but he was really good in the playoffs. And then the Blues had, you know, um, Pareko and they had Petrangelo, the Lightning. They had Hedman. They had McDonough, who wasn't, you know, washed at that point. The, you, you simply have to have these anchors, at least one of them on the blue line, to win a Stanley Cup. So if you're saying, like, okay, let's trade Ekblad for, like, I don't know, the cap space to sign Matt Dumba. It's like, okay, great. Matt Dumba's a fine player. Is he going to be your anchor on a Stanley cup winner? Like, no. no. And that's ultimately still the goal. Like you look at this team, you look at Barkov's contract, you look at Kachuk's contract, you look at Ekblad's potential and you know, he's still here. He's still relatively young. You've got Bobrovsky who shown he can be a pretty good goalie. Now, you know, he's a little bit inconsistent. But, you know, and you've got the rest of the offensive firepower under contract, at least for next year. And a lot of it is a pretty good value for Hagee, 4.3 repeating Duclair three, you know, Reinhardt is going to get a raise next year, you know, the year after next, but you guys know what I'm saying. Like, this is still, if you play your cards, right. Like you could totally see this team being like 30 and 10 and after 40 games next year. And we're talking about maybe they can win a Stanley cup and that how ultimately you still have to maneuver in that way. Like you, you can't just look at the season and say, well, we just got to blow it up. Right. And you would think that the Panthers have learned their lesson with the whole blowing it up thing. Um, <laughs> listen, if the Bill Zito is a no, listen, Bill Zito still in charge. He and his hockey ops department are still running. I mean, it's not like they're being replaced. And then, and then, yeah, yeah. And then we would have a whole laundry list of players. Okay, well, this guy might, you know, this is still Bill Zito's party, um, and and they've got the full faith in the, in him. So he's not doing that. I, I think that he's patient. Enough. He was he built this team for 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 next year and beyond. He really did. And yeah. we thought we thought, and I'm then they thought it as well. Although there was one dissenting voice in that front office that that was telling me during the preseason, we got 83 of these left. We got 82 of these left. Oh, we got 81 of these. Every game, the count, it was like, yeah, this team's not very good. And we just didn't want to see it because this team had 120 or whatever points last year. Um, I think that, that they, that they've always been building for next year and thought that at worst third in the Atlantic, fourth in the Atlantic and a wild card, uh, you know, and they may end up a point out of it and say, hey, guys, we gave it all we had. And if we would have had Barkov for those 20 games that he met, if we would have had Bennett for those games that he met, if we would have had Declare, if we would have had Ekblad yeah. in the first 10 games, my goodness, we would have been different. That's going to be the narrative. Don't yeah, they're not, and they're not 100% wrong because there were some nights that lineup that went out there was like, woof, woof. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong, but it's still not a valid excuse. I I think that you you just can't overlook the, I don't want to say objective, but like 
pretty clear, you know, mistakes and like, you know, bad process. Like, you know, we're at point, we're at the point of the season that we're at. Game 75 is coming up. Mark Stahl still hasn't sat. And, you know, maybe he hasn't been atrocious, but definition of insanity, again, like they are still running out the tired old penalty kill and power play. And can can we at least see them change something? Like, Isn't that, the way that like... this season has gone does not give me a lot of confidence that doing things this particular way will lead to a Stanley Cup. And you can say, well, there's a lot of things that went wrong this season that caused them to miss the playoffs. That's all well and good. And for a while, I would have agreed with you. But this is the stretch of the season that has mattered the most. This is the stretch of the season where everybody, including the coach and including the players, have said, these are our playoff games. Why was Paul Maurice brought here to play a style of hockey that would work in the playoffs. These are your playoff games. Is this style of hockey working? It's not. They're getting outplayed on home ice against non-playoff teams. Four games in a row in the most important stretch of the season. You know, throw away the rest of it if you want. You can't. I, I just can't believe that this is that's going to be good enough to win a cup. So you got to, you got to do something differently because well, I don't think gonna work. this isn't going to work. This, I don't think this team was ever this particular team. Again, you've got Giovanni Smith on. I mean, this team's not built the right. But, okay. But you, you know, second. it's, it's not like they're not trying to make the playoffs. They would have traded Gudis if they were like playoffs, no playoffs. What do we care? But they're still playing Giovanni Smith every night when he's healthy. They're still playing Mark Stahl every night. They're still playing Eric Stahl every night. He hasn't necessarily warranted a lineup spot every game. Like, please. I, I know that they've given some guys an opportunity. Like Dennis Sanko, that didn't really work. He probably belongs in the AHL right now. But, I mean, Matt Kierstead, when he was playing here, he was good. And... You know, he's a friend of the podcast, so there's going to be some bias there. But I wasn't always a believer in him. But he showed this year, I think, that he's got some real promise. And he hasn't gotten another opportunity. And there's other guys that have played AHL games. And, you know, they've played NHL games this year, too. They've looked solid, and they're no longer on the team. Chris Tierney, I mean, he played better this year than Giovanni Smith. You know, yeah. like, I, I, I know that there's a lot of things that complicated this season and there, you know, the Stanley cup was never a reasonable aim this season, but the playoffs were their stated goal. They're talking yeah. about, these are our playoff games. The whole point of the project was to bring in an architect that can build a style that wins in the playoffs. And so far it's been a massive failure. And can I, can we just, some, sometimes you got to point the finger though at the players, eh? How many how many missed shots did they have last night? How many, you know? I, I, Hold on, I, I can get I, I an exact know. answer for you. <laughs> well, I, 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 they had sixteen or seventeen misses and sixteen or seventeen blocked shots last night. Um, I mean, there were shots that, that you know. Uh, I, Anthony Declare still hasn't gotten his timing back. Um, how mm-hmm. many how many nets is Anthony Declare going to miss on breakaways? Um, 
that kind of thing. I mean, I mean, Florida could have tied that game up in the second. They could have tied it up in the third, and they just didn't do it. Um, so we could talk all we want about, you know, about – they still had their opportunities to get two points out of Ottawa last night. Monday night. That, that, I mean, we're talking about all the reasons why this team is not going to make the playoffs, and one of them is they just never get – they never get points out of the games they don't deserve them. That's true. They've had a bunch of games where they've lost that they don't deserve to, but they have very few, if any, games where it's like you look at back and it's like, how the hell did the Panthers get a point out of that one? They don't have them. And again, the Panthers have been getting favor after favor after favor in this playoff race, and they haven't taken advantage of it. Um, As we're speaking, Detroit's got a 6-4 lead on on, on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's going to – what is that for Pittsburgh? Six out of eight losses, something like that. Yeah, the, I mean, the playoff, it, and that's the how Panthers, they get back into the race. That's the only way at this point that they're going to have to keep getting gifts. Go ahead, George. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's just it. They've been handed gift after gift. If 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 Pittsburgh doesn't lose four straight, Florida was never in the playoffs last Monday night in the first place. Right. So yeah. they'd still be chasing if Pittsburgh was even playing 500 hockey, which they're not. I mean, they've been given every opportunity to get back to Florida. Should have it. Should be chasing the New York Islanders for wild card one right now. That's what we should be talking about right now. Not, you know, they're about to be three, four, five points out of the second one. They should be chasing wild card one. They haven't taken advantage. And, and sometimes that's on the players too. Yeah, I think that if you look over the course of the 82 games, what you know, when it comes to game 82, unless something really goes crazy in these last eight games, I think that what you're saying is generally more so the reason that they're going to miss the playoffs than, you know, oh, they they didn't really have an effective style in the last four games. That's just me looking at that and saying, okay, well, is this, you know, our cup winning apparatus in terms of the core, the coach, etc. Like that that was really disheartening the last four yeah. games. But overall, over the course of the season, they're a top 5 team in pretty much every 5 on 5 metric. They're like a top 3 team in every power play metric, and they've got a mediocre penalty kill in the metrics, but they underachieve in every area. For whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, j- just to clarify what TJ is saying, they, they're top five in all the expected metrics. The actual result metrics aren't as good as yeah, the expected well, Yeah, metrics. those are results. I, I I say metrics. I'm talking about expected or, you know, shot share, those, yeah. those type of things. I know. I'm just clarifying for those who aren't as analytically oriented as we are. Yeah. And, and listen, and that's all well and good. And, and, and I, I agree. I mean, they outshoot every team they play. I mean, and that's that's a big part of the expected goals. Um, I, I just – listen, they've been given every opportunity. And, and, and by the time people listen to this, whenever you're listening to this and uh, any I, you know any way you get your uh, your uh, podcasts, we appreciate, we appreciate you. Yeah, <laughs> any way you get them, we appreciate it. Um, who the heck knows? What what does Toronto have to play for tomorrow? The Panthers could come home on this road trip three and one, and the only blemish was, is that Ottawa game. We don't know. I mean, it's very well. They've got a Toronto team that doesn't need to play for anything. They've got a Montreal team on back to backs. Like let's say if, if let's say Florida wins on Wednesday, do you think Alex Lyon starts that game Thursday in Montreal? I don't. He can. He can. Uh, and Saturday night, you're in Columbus. 
this road trip was set up for them to, to get all eight points. If they still get six and they st- still get some gifts from the Steel City, I mean, I don't know. I mean, but this team has to go out and do it. The opportunity is there for them. If they, if they go out and beat let's, – let's just ask it hypothetical. If they go out and beat Toronto tomorrow, Wednesday, does that make up for losing in Ottawa to you guys? Because we all just no. write off nope. Toronto as a loss. I do. I always can't, – they can't beat Toronto. But if they do – It, it no. doesn't write it off to me because okay. you, you, you've, you've blown enough points throughout the season that you're at the point where you have to win games you shouldn't be winning and you can – and you cannot lose a single point in the games you should not lose. Like, I, 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 I agree. I do agree with that, yes. I do yeah. agree with that, yes. But I was already writing off – I was at least saying an overtime, one point out of Toronto at best. Yeah, the, that would have been fine if you hadn't blown the game to Philly, if you hadn't blown a 2-0 lead to the Rangers, you hadn't blown the game last night. Like The time for trading off points and – is over. I mean, the reality is the Panthers are you you talk about how lucky the Panthers are. The playoff cutoff this year is gonna be 91 to 93 points. If if this was last season, like this would have been like the, this podcast, we wouldn't even be talking about the playoffs. We'd have been talking about you know the draft and whatnot, even though the Panthers don't have a first round pick. It's just like they're they've gotten so many breaks and done nothing with them. So we're kind of just at the point where it's like, hey, maybe we keep getting more, but do they even deserve them? I don't think so. If the Panthers can sweep up this road trip, the rest of this road trip, uh, with Pittsburgh losing three in a row, then then maybe we can talk again. If the Panthers win their next three and the Penguins lose their next three, then maybe next week's podcast won't be so morbid. Yeah, their no, next three think- games are a uh, a game against the Predators, who are chasing the playoffs. Then they got the Bruins, who are the best team in the league, and then they have a back to back after that. Even though it is against the Flyers, so look, I mean, crazier things have happened, but based on what we saw on Monday and the fact that that was the fourth straight regulation loss, like right, it, it's my mind is going to take some changing. Let's put it that way. Like, I, I agreed. It's gonna it's gonna have to be made pretty evident to me that that isn't what this team really is, and uh, we we have only got about ten minutes left before I wanted to cut off. So why don't we move but, into? But, some, okay, but Go ahead. but just real quick, if they do win their next three, at worst they're still three points out. Maybe you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. With I five mean, to go, at least you're playing meaningful. You know, at least you've got your, you still have a chance. It's not going to wipe wipe away. You're right. You can't lose to Philly. You can't lose to Ottawa. That's not going to wipe those away. But I'm just saying, if you win the next three, at least you're you're staying. You're keeping pace, and you've got you've got an opportunity. Anyway, yeah, if, you, if you win the next three, that makes up for losing a couple of those games at least. And yeah. I mean, you like you said, they could have afforded to drop some of those points. We didn't expect eight points out of this road trip, but you know, we definitely didn't expect them to get zero of the last eight points. So sweeping the road trip, that makes up for some of it. And then we are maybe looking at a, a different situation. But I just don't – I can't envision that, like I said. Uh, so let, you guys want to talk about a couple of things going on uh, related to the NCAA tournament, NCAA hockey tournament? Ah, I could talk basketball with you, but – We could talk <laughs> basketball. Basketball I mean, games. 
Hold Big on. Mackie. Mac the knife. Yeah, Mac the knife. Uh, so Michigan looks like they're on the brink uh, against Penn State. Penn State scores on the power play late in the second period. Uh, that's the first goal of the game. And they got a one nothing lead going into the third. And now then eight minutes to go. Michigan gets a power play. They get the puck to Mackey. He fires off a nice shot that uh, creates a juicy rebound that Adam Fantilli, the future number two pick in the draft, slams home. And then the game goes into overtime and 45 seconds in or whatever it was. What a beautiful shot by Sam Miskevich to win it and send Michigan yep. to the Frozen Four. So that's yep. that's beautiful to see. That's his 20th goal this season. So he's going to continue to play. Now, on the other side of the bracket, Denver – and Mike Benning and Jack Devine get cold at the wrong time, and they lose two nothing to Cornell. So Jack Devine's season is over, uh-huh. but we we think that he's going to be back at Denver next year, despite the fact that he really finished off his season strong. But right. Michael Benning, his season ended on I think it was Thursday as as the Panthers were losing to the Maple Leafs. Uh, Michael Benning's season was also ending. And yeah, that sounds right. No, yeah, we that's right. We were in the press box, Denver lost, right? Yeah, it was Thursday night. Yep. And like it's a little bit disconcerting that we really haven't seen anything in regards to like, okay, he's gonna be staying in school. Cause I think next year is his senior year. So if he goes back to Denver, he could become a free agent, I believe. And I, you know, I, I just don't know where this is going. I think it's a very positive thing that he hasn't said he's going back. That's true. I think, yeah, I think I, I think that he hasn't announced is because of the Panther situation. He can't. He as all college kids do. They want to burn that that one year of the ELC. He wants to be able to get a new contract in two years instead of three. Uh, he, I believe he has to be on the on the big league roster to do that. The Panthers don't have the salary cap room to add him right now. I don't believe. Um. So maybe that maybe he's just waiting. I, I think he. I think. If he announces that he's coming back for a senior year, yeah, there's trouble in River City. But until then, um, I, I think that he's going to be signing with the Panthers. So would you say that I just kind of generated this hypothesis, hypothesis, sorry, that like he's waiting for the possibility that they just completely fall out of this race. And then they're like, okay, well, we got two or three games left that – don't mean anything in terms of the standing. So why don't we give a couple of guys a shot? They sign him. He'll get to play a couple of those games. So that way he burns his ELC rather than like, okay, I'm not going to be a part of the Panthers because they got this playoff chase going on. Why don't I just go ahead and start my pro career in Charlotte? They got a playoff race coming up. He's because I think to he has to he can get he, the former. Go ahead. I believe he has to be with the Panthers. So the Panthers could always assign him to Charlotte, um, but that doesn't count against his ELC. Yeah, and I don't it, think he'd be and, and he, for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I believe I believe a prospect can. Yes, I think. Oh, okay. Yes, he. Yeah, he can. Um, but here's the here's the thing: he doesn't have to play in a game with the Panthers. If the Panthers had, I mean, like like Matt Tierstead, when he signed, he did play initially, um, but that was just because the Panthers had, you know, that was the COVID year. The Panthers were in the playoffs. Who cared about this? Nobody cared about nothing. Um, at this point, I don't think the Panthers have the salary cap room. He just needs to be on the roster. He doesn't have to play. He doesn't have to play a certain number of games. He just has to be on the roster to burn that ELC. Um, just like uh, Spencer Knight, he only played in a couple games 
um, after signing out of Boston College, and he burned his ELC. So as long as he yeah. signs with the Panthers, he burns. The, he doesn't have to play. Uh, I just don't think they have the salary cap room. So to do so, they'd have to they'd have to waive somebody. They'd have to send someone to Charlotte. The Panthers have one million sixty-two thousand six hundred twenty-five dollars in cap space, but with these ELCs, there's always bonuses and stuff, and I'm not sure how those are counted. So don't I think those you get accrued be- the following season. If you yeah, can't they don't want they don't want that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't want to burn cap space on a on a guy <laughs> on a college guy. Yeah, um, I think they're just. I think I think it's just a hold off and wait kind of thing. I honestly do, and and I haven't gotten that from anybody. But him not saying anything about his plans leads me to believe that if he was coming back, he would have said he was coming back. Because you always say yeah. you're coming back when you're coming back, right? You don't you yeah. don't leave your you don't leave your university hanging, especially after a tough loss in the you know in the in the regional. Yeah, it, it builds morale in the locker room and it in the school. Just like, all right, hey, you know, we didn't get it done this year, but our guys are coming it back. back. Yeah, we're running it back. It's it's very much vibes of uh, that one the the scene from the Wolf of Wall Street. The I'm not fucking leaving. It's it's right. it's that with everyone partying around him after that announcement. Now, if he does if he does say he's coming back for a senior year, there's got to be some concern there. But I think Bill Zito's had a very good relationship with just about everybody. Uh, Benning was obviously thrilled to be drafted by the Panthers. If you remember the story, he was wearing his dad's Panther shorts the day of the draft just as a goof. Um, I think he wants to be part of the Panthers. Um, so I don't think you're going to have one of these, uh, you know, he's going to leave you, if you, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, the big thing is burning that one year of the ELC. Everybody wants to do it. That's the new hot thing in town. <laughs> Un- understandably, right? Understandably, because you get a second contract out of it. You get a big check now, and then you get another contract a year earlier. So, um I think I think we'll see him somewhere down the road signing with the Panthers. I just don't know when. It could be next week. It could it could be tomorrow. I don't know. Um, anything else the college related? Um, I, I think just that there was another Panther prospect on Western Michigan, but they got kind of they got kind of curb stomped. So, I mean, these Holy are really shit. the these are really the only three prospects that I I have hopes for at the moment. You know, like somebody might come out of left field. Ultimately, that is. Typically what happens with the late round prospects is that the the ones that you never expect ultimately become valuable contributors. But right now there's not a whole lot on the radar other than those three guys. And of course, Jack Devine's our guy. So we'll always keep up with him, always have updates with him. We got about five minutes left. So we kind of wanted to do it when I said NCAA tournament. So let's talk about the basketball. Alex, you want to go first or... George, hi Jacob. Hi Alex. Tell me, what happened in the UM Indiana men? Oh, that's old news. Game? We talked about it last Too bad. week. Yeah, we talked about it last no, week. No, 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 I'm getting it in. I'm what sorry. It's, it's not our fault that you weren't here. Sorry, I had to get ready for I, that. I paid. I paid my dues for that. You he did. did not. He did. He did. I, I mentioned heard, it did on the podcast without you even prompting it. He did. I wasn't there. He did. Anyway, FAU's in the Final Four. Holy uh, shit. I'm, I'm Holy really hoping shit. for an all-Florida national championship game. I think that would be so much fun. It, Boy, it, the it, TV ratings. I mean, the, the price <laughs> to get into that building is already sunk like a rock. It's like you could get into that <laughs> building now. Saturday night's like 80 bucks. Um, <laughs> can you imagine the television ratings on Monday night on CBS 
CBS Road to the <laughs> Final Four, the University of Ivy and Florida Atlantic. Can you imagine the TV ratings for Florida Atlantic and it's gonna UM? Be so bad. It's going to be it so won't bad. Even, it won't even draw a 20 share in South Florida. I guarantee it doesn't no. get 20. No, no way. Well, no what's, way. What's funny is, I mean, everyone's made this joke already, but I'm going to make it anyway. If these guys were, if these two teams were playing in December in either stadium, it would be like on it'd be on ESPN Plus, and it would be a half-empty stadium in either place. Well, FAU only holds twenty five hundred, so they pack. That's a that's a high school. FAU would sell out for you. Yeah, they I mean it. FAU San Diego State. That's already like you know a game that has big preseason tournament like Charlotte or yeah. not Charlotte yeah. Charleston Invitational Tournament. ESPNU at three p.m. on a Thursday. Major yeah. vibes, and that's a final the four Maui, game. The, the Maui Gym Classic, yeah. Uh, but I mean, these are like two very legit teams. Like, I, I mean, people yes. appreciate San Diego State at this point, I think, because of Kawhi and the fact that they, you know, you know, have been like a twenty-five to thirty win team for the past three, five years or so, and uh, they're finally getting their due on the national stage. I mean, FAU, it's not really the same. This is the first time they've ever ever really shown this level of play but i mean they they've done it all year they've they've beaten uf from the sec they've you know it's a true road game they went basically undefeated in their conference they lost two road games in the regular season then they won the conference tournament they were in the top 25 in the ap in the coaches poll in ken palm underseeded you know this is a legitimately good team and they're not a Cinderella. This isn't George Mason. This isn't VCU. This is a legitimate title contender. And this is FAU. We're talking about a team with a 2,500 person gym that could legitimately win the national championship. Yeah. I, I think I, I hate to be the uh, poop in the punch bowl, but I think both our teams lose though Saturday. I just, I really like San Diego State, and and I think UConn. There's nobody playing better ball than UConn right yeah. now, but I don't know. We'll see. And UConn's yeah. got a week to prepare for Miami. Um, they're athletic. They're just you know they're as athletic as Miami is. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, that team that team um, jumps out of the gym when you watch them. That's that's a crazy team. I, I, I like I like FAU's chances better than I like Miami. So yeah, just we'll because see. San Diego State that that's a very good team. But UConn's looks like the best team in the country right now. And I mean, yeah. Miami's played a little bit better than FAU has. They certainly have had a tougher they've had a tougher road. But I mean, it's not it's not picking against Miami because if, if they were playing FAU, I'd pick Miami. If they were playing San Diego State, I'd pick Miami. But they're playing UConn. Yep. So I'm yeah. picking UConn. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my you know, the UM horn, but the UM UConn game feels like the de facto national championship game. It, it kind of does. does. I mean, but all like of when, you to say that when FAU is ultimately going to win. <laughs> that that's hey, a, I'd love to see it. I'd love that's the Panther Parade take. I mean, I we we could have said this exact same thing about them beating Tennessee and them beating Kansas State. Like we we probably would have been here. Like, hey, you know, like, haha, that might happen. But but in all honesty, they're probably losing Tennessee, and then they beat them both. Would this be the first time ever that a team wins a national championship and the coach bails for another school immediately? Because has, hasn't been has the FAU coach been connected to the Notre Dame job like for the last few weeks? I don't. I know. thought they hired uh, somebody. Yeah, like, oh, go ahead. I don't think they have. I don't think oh. they have. But I, I'm just wondering. I mean, 
Rick Pitino, maybe someone like that, maybe left right after winning the championship. I don't know. I mean, Tarkanian didn't, although he was hinting around that he was going to. Um, yeah, but that was the NBA, though, right? Yeah, but just to leave for another job, right? Yeah, right. maybe maybe if Brad Stevens oh, won. Uh, Roy Williams, I believe he left Kansas after Ooh. the 88 championship and went to San Antonio, maybe. Yeah, but wasn't that scandal-related, if I remember right? Oh, it probably was with him, yeah. Yeah. Not Roy Williams, not Roy Williams. Who was the co- – the, 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 you know who I'm talking about, the guy with the glasses. No, I, th- um, I not, think you're right. It was – it wasn't Roy Williams. Roy Williams went to to North Carolina. Dean Smith, maybe. No, Dean Smith was there forever. I, I, I can't remember what he went, but I believe it was the San Antonio Spurs. Who was the coach? Uh, Brown, something Brown. Who was the coach of the Kansas Jayhawks in 1988? <laughs> I'm, right, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm gonna hit myself in the head when we we see this. It wasn't Poppy Knight. Larry Brown. Larry Brown. Yeah, that, that that guy never lasted any long anywhere. Right, right, right. He was one. Of, he's he's a Patino guy. He's been all around the world. But anyway, this has been a good uh, basketball potpourri. Yeah. Well, we, we got to start getting into the potpourri now that the Panthers season is winding down. Next next week we'll talk about Zelda, the new Zelda game. And, all right. Uh, so I'll see and the national champion weeks. FAU Owls. Next yes, next week. Too. Next week we'll be joined by um, oh geez I forgot the guy's name that said the s word on True TV. Wow, I can't believe you forgot Mike Ryan's name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but we'll George, bring Mike, in- we'll bring on former FAU coach Mike Jervis. How's that? There we go. We probably could uh, get him. George, what I, can I, I, I've what, got his number? Go when can everyone expect the uh, Casey Fitzgerald article to drop? I believe I'm going to write that now. I was wondering, I was, I've been putting it off all night, what I was going to write for, for Wednesday's edition of FloridaHockeyNow.com. And I remember I had a great conversation with Casey. Listen, he's a terrific guy. I understand why the Panthers want this to work out. He's, he's a son of a, you know, a Panther original. Uh, his father is obviously the general manager of the New Jersey Devils. He was living with Matthew Kachuk for a while. Told me some fun off the record stories about that. Nothing salacious. Nothing salacious. Um, he, he he refused to drive the fancy golf cart. He said, "No, I was a passenger <laughs> in it many a time, but I wouldn't drive the thing." Um, so that sounds like they had a lot of fun. They ended up going on. Uh, he ended up getting an apartment now. So uh, anyway, a, a fun story talking to, to Casey. He's a great story. Um, but again, I think. I think the next time we see him will be playing defense. If the Panthers lose a couple more of these games, Mark Stahl might get that day off that, that you guys have been wanting him to get. But, again, I don't know. So, we'll see. If Pittsburgh keeps losing, just keeps letting the Panthers stay in this this race, uh, who knows. But, I don't know. Listen, you know, for all intent and purpose, the Panthers probably were always supposed to be three points back of Pittsburgh. I mean, With nobody expected – Nobody expected Pittsburgh to, you know, to, to, to lose all the games they did. Now they've – Pittsburgh's not very good. So, maybe nobody wants this thing. The Islanders do. The Islanders seem to want it. They go out there and handle business. Yeah. But uh, – They're making Pittsburgh me look like a fool. Doesn't. I counted them I, out. I absolutely counted them out. I did out. too. I thought that was the team you go after. That was the team you were chasing. I thought Pittsburgh was safely entrenched in the playoffs. Two weeks ago, we talked about it. Yeah, Pittsburgh's in. 
the Islanders are the weak link. You're going after the Islanders. Don't even worry about Pittsburgh. Don't even watch Pittsburgh's games. And then Pittsburgh starts losing, and, and now they're really your only chance unless the Islanders start losing. And Yeah. I mean, whatever. You, like one of them's just got to start losing four or five of their last eight or so games. Anyway, it's yeah. been a great, uh, great anyway. time at the infield bar and grill for these. We've we've gone. Me and Jake, uh, we went on Saturday with our friend Adrian to watch FAU go to the final. Y'all sang karaoke. Y'all sang karaoke. We did. TJ and I went up to do the chain by Fleetwood Mac. Adrian did the bass part on karaoke. Adrian, our friend Adrian, did the bass part. That he, is correct. He, he he did the the singing of the bass notes into the microphone, which was a beautiful was, moment. Who was the one that was screaming the uh, lyrics? TJ. That was TJ <laughs> going going high. I, yeah, I stayed I in my I stayed in my my uh, my octave. TJ went high. I, I was and thinking I about was going right. out. Yeah, I was thinking of going out to the car and getting my uh, noise canceling <laughs> earpods, but I didn't. <laughs> Love you too, I, George. Uh, I, I, I suffered through it. Gamer, baby, gamer. All right. <laughs> R- rate us five All stars right. on Touch Tunes. <laughs> we finally found, figured out a new one. Uh, rate us five stars on Touch Tunes. George, thank you for joining us as always. Um, thank you, fellas. Uh, for TJ Peterson and Jacob Langsam and George Richards, I'm Alex Lopez. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, next week, we'll either be happy or we'll be sad and we'll do it all again. Peace.